So the Marte thing, we'll see if he can build off of it. He didn't start the second game of the doubleheader, which I didn't have a problem with. But let's see if he can build off it in Chicago and Colorado. Because that was, not only was it great for him, but it was so important to the team because (laughs) that felt like a brutal loss. A brutal loss. And then you go into this doubleheader thinking, hey, the worst case scenario is you win two out of three against Cleveland. Not that you want to lose the game. I don't want to lose the game, especially being in the building and watching it with my son only a second game of the year. I want to win the game. But at least now you go into the game with a little bit of the pressure off, knowing this is a four and two homestand if you don't win Sunday night. Uh, speaking of uh, the going to this, the game with your son, I have a question for you. Yes. Were you, were you sitting in your normal seats? I was not. Yeah, what's up with that? I thought you were like planted. You have your seats and, and they, you can't move from those seats. Those are your babies. That's the best seat in the house. Those are my favorite seats to watch a baseball game. Uh, I was invited for my son to be very, very close to the action. So a friend of mine invited us to sit first row down the right field line where there's access to, you know, getting autographs and maybe a foul ball here and there. So I was a good father because Pete, I really didn't want to sit there. I got to be honest with you. It's cool to be close, but I'm more of a, I want to be behind home plate, but I know for a six-year-old, he was going to get a kick out of it. And he did. And I'll tell you something that was pretty crazy in the first inning. As you may recall, Jose Ramirez hit a home run. Do you remember this into the upper deck? I do. Yes. Okay. So the city field crowd then proceeds to copy Wrigley field, which every stadium now does by throwing the ball back on the field. So somebody throws the ball back on the field, the ball that ends up with the right fielder who hands it to the ball boy, who then hands it to a security guard who then handed it to my son. Let's so go. Jet not only ended up with a baseball, he ended up <laughs> with the freaking Jose Ramirez home run. <laughs> That's awesome. Good for Jet. Yeah, he didn't want to throw it back? No, because he, he was asking <laughs> me about this. Like, why'd they throw it back? I said, well, it's a tradition in Chicago that we have all ripped <laughs> off. So, I mean, he thought it was cool that he has a home run ball. Like, it's not just a foul ball that doesn't mean anything. He got the home run ball. The one mistake Justin Verlander made is now in the possession of my son. So that's why, of course, I said yes to a, a gracious invitation like that. Because even though my own selfishness would rather be behind home plate, I understand things like that. You know, he's going to think about it for the rest of his life. He'll remember that. He'll remember that and tell his kids about it. So it was definitely a cool experience. Somebody tweeted me out a picture. They caught me on TV sitting there. So maybe you saw it. I don't know. But it was, it was a very cool experience. And it was some game. This Sunday night game was unbelievable. First of all, I want to just say that I understand everybody out there is jealous. Not that I went to the game, but that I didn't have to hear the ESPN broadcast. Because I can't tell you how many emails and texts and tweets I got about Carl Ravitch sucks. David Cohn even sucks. This broadcast is awful. And I, I, listen, I feel for you. This is why when I saw Sunday Night Baseball, Mets against the uh, Guardians, I knew I was going. Because I don't want to deal with this. Yeah, but partly we're spoiled. We're spoiled. We have the best crew in baseball, with Gary Keith and Ron, I mean, I, we're not going to get to a whole thing here on them, but they are so good. They're so entertaining. They're so spot on. 
it, listen, I watch Yankee ton of Yankee games. Uh, Yankee games can't hold their jock strap. I, I got to be honest. Like the Mets are the, our broadcast team is amazing. Our broadcast team is amazing. I also think that when you're diehard fans, you don't want to hear national broadcasters that don't know your team nearly as well as you. I think that's a big part of it. Carl Ravitch or whomever is doing a national game could be the greatest announcers in the world, but they naturally aren't going to know as much about your team as you because you're not, they're not watching every single game. So I always think that national announcers in baseball have a disadvantage just from that. They could be the greatest. You're, you're still going to be annoyed by them. So I, I feel for everybody who watched the game and had a terrible time. I'm not going to sit here and read all the emails out loud, but trust me, I saw it. You hated it. Maybe you like Jeff McNeil being mic'd up. I have no idea. I, I don't care about that. Like, if, if Jeff McNeil says something interesting, I'll see it on YouTube is the way I view it. As far as the game is concerned, you know, so Ramirez hits that home run in the first inning, and this is very typical of Verlander. He runs into some early trouble, gave up even a base hit in the second inning, and then he dominates. This is what I was hoping for in that game on Tuesday against Tampa, where early trouble – He's going to settle in, and boy, did he settle in. And he wasn't striking the world out. He wasn't getting a ton of swing and misses. He was getting a lot of outs early in the count. Go through this game. He got a lot of first pitch and second pitch outs. And why that's so valuable is that it allowed him to go eight innings. It allowed it to be a fair discussion to wonder if he should come out for the ninth inning, which I thought, why not? His pitch count was only 98. Is that where it ended up? 98. And in that eighth inning, he threw five pitches or six pitches, whatever it was, six pitches in the eighth inning. And he was able to do that because the strikeout numbers, they weren't that high. Strikeout five guys. Okay, great. He didn't need to strike out more guys. And I think in a day in which you're playing a doubleheader, you would just use three relievers in game one. Even though you had a rain out Saturday, you used 150 relievers on Friday. You've used a ton of relievers over the last week. It's almost as if Verlander, being the old pro that he is, said, I'm going to get outs and I'm going to get them as fast as I humanly can. Because the faster I get them, the longer into this game I can pitch. And credit to Shane Bieber, he did the same thing. Which is why... This may sound nuts, what I'm about to say, but I really mean it as an old-school baseball fan. I think I may have enjoyed being at this game Sunday night more than I even was Wednesday night's game. Because as great as Wednesday's game was, as wild as it was, and it was nuts, to me, what happened Sunday night is what made me fall in love with baseball to begin with. And I'm not talking about the length of game, okay? It has nothing to do with it. Two aces. Two dogs two guys that went out there and they just pitched did they strike the world out no i didn't need crazy strikeout numbers i mean shane bieber struck out five guys six guys over eight innings verlander struck out five guys over eight innings there were not a lot of strikeouts in this game but there were two aces that pitched you got eight innings from bieber complete game complete game loss which i <laughs> What world are we in? And Verlander gave you eight in which he could have pitched nine. That's what I love. And then if you want to throw in how the runs were scored, a home run by Cleveland's best player, Jose Ramirez, a superstar, a home run by Francisco Lindor in a clutch spot in the sixth inning, and then 
It wasn't hit and run. It wasn't. But let's just call it that because it's cool. Hit and run. Shortstop vacates his position. Ooh. Sacrifice. Little ball. Sacrifice fly. Baseball. Great defense. We saw a guy try to lead off the ninth inning with a bun single in Stephen Kwan. And Brooks Raley makes this great defensive play. You had great defense. You had great starting pitching. You had little ball. You had a couple of home runs from some superstars. I don't know what more you could want from a baseball game. Now, maybe he didn't have the dramatic comeback, but that was a baseball game. Would I have liked to have seen Verlander pitch the ninth? I think if this was a different part of the year, I would have pushed it more. i tell you this, if this was October, you're damn right he's pitching the ninth inning. I mean, if it's October, it's not a doubleheader, so David Robertson's available, but you get what I'm saying. Uh, He was great. Verlander was great. I really thought, like I said at the beginning of the pod, the perfect symmetry of Verlander getting booed off the mound on Tuesday at the beginning of this homestand to him getting a standing ovation as he walked off the mound in the eighth inning. And that's not the only standing ovation he got. When he came out to pitch the eighth, he got a standing ovation because we're all stunned to see it. We don't see that very often. And that was so, so great to see. As far as that Lindor check swing, I just wanted to talk about that briefly because I listened to what he said after the game. It's why we kind of delayed the podcast a little bit because I wanted to hear what everybody had to say. Plus, I was driving home from the game. So you're probably listening to this Monday morning because we didn't post this thing till wee hours of the night. Sorry. Sunday night baseball, and I took my kid to the game. But Lindor said that the reason he tried to check his swing on that base hit that allowed Marte to go to third is because he saw Marte was trying to steal second. So it was not a hit and run. It was the opposite. It was a, oh, he's running. I don't want to swing. I want to give him a crack to steal second base. Lindor tries to check. He checks it, hits the ball right to shortstop where, uh, what's his name? Gabriel Arias is darting towards second to try to take the throw on Marte stealing. You want to call it lucky? Yes, it was very lucky. But it went our way. And it set up the first and third for McNeil, who put the bat on the ball behind in the count, which is not easy to do. And the Mets take the lead, and the Mets win the game. So it was not a hit and run as much as it would be cool to say it was. It was a Starlings trying to steal second base. Oh, wait, maybe I shouldn't swing. Tremendous victory. Rally comes in for the ninth. Rally comes in for the ninth. Makes that great defensive play on Stephen Kwan. And then I want to take you to the Rosario at bat because Jet, my oldest son, said something to me that annoyed me but turned out to be the future. He said, Dad, I want him to get a hit. I said, what? Well, you don't want him to get You want Rosario to get a hit? He's like, yes. I said, may I ask why? And he looks at me and says, I want to end this game on a double play. (laughs) So the buddy who brought us to the game says, how about we just make it easy? I said, yeah, why do we make it easy? Why do we have to put a guy on first base? As we're having this debate, Rosario gets drilled. So I look at Jed. I said, oh, boy, if he hits a two-run home run, I can be happy with you. But maybe you'll get what you want. And on the second pitch, he did. Beautiful double play, Lindor to McNeil to Alonzo. And then we all had a big laugh and celebrated a neat and tidy two-to-one victory for the Mets over the Guardians, winning the series, 
3-0, winning the homestand five out of six, and making us all feel really, really good as the Mets head to Chicago to take on the Cubs. So before this homestand, Pete asked me a question. Do you remember what the question was right before the homestand? I think it was how. what do you want the record, their record to be with this homestand? What do I want? Yes, and I said four and two. Go win a couple of series. Well, for the first time in a long time, they exceeded our expectations. Five and one homestand against the team with the best record in baseball and a team that made the postseason a year ago. Two teams that made the postseason a year ago. So very, very good homestand as the Mets get set to now go to Chicago to take on the Cubs. Kodai Senga with an extra day will pitch Tuesday against Drew Smiley. So the Mets will see a lefty for the first time in a couple of days. Tyler McGill against Marcus Stroman on Wednesday night. And then Carlos Carrasco will try to bounce back against Jamison Tyone on Thursday night. All night games in Chicago against the Cubs. And then the three games in Colorado against the Rockies, where we will see Scherzer, Verlander, and then Kodai Senga on regular rest for the first time, unless they call somebody up, <laughs> which is on the table. I would not rule out the Mets saying, ah, you know what? Got to get Senga an extra day. So we shall see. But I feel good. Y'all feel good? Do we feel good, Pete? Are we feeling good? I feel amazing. There's nothing. Listen, we've we five wins in a row. Five wins wins in a row. I haven't. When's the last time we had five wins in a row? I, I can't remember. A yeah. winning streak. It feels good. It's a winning streak. Damn it. I, I think the concern when you try to find one, and I don't think it's that difficult to find. I think it's obvious what's in front of us, which is this bullpen, which is the the up and down nature of Adam Ottavino, the up and down nature of Drew Smith. Brooks Raleigh coming back, really coming back. I, I just, it's Raleigh. I'm sorry. It's like stuck in my head. It's especially stuck in my head because one of the many emails we got this week was from a guy telling me that Raleigh, North Carolina has a better chance at a baseball team than Nashville. And I should jump on board the Raleigh train, which I'm all for. Let's get a baseball team in Raleigh. I got, I got a brother-in-law that lives down there. It's great. I'll go down there. I'll go to some games. But yeah, I, I think that it's fair to look at this bullpen where you see Brooks Raleigh. Okay, some fairly decent confidence in him. You see Adam Ottavino, who's been up and down. Drew Smith, who's been up and down. And then what are you talking about? Jeff Brigham, Dominic Leone, Steven Nagosik. Obviously, I'm leaving Robertson out because I do think he has earned the trust despite giving up the home run to Jose Ramirez. He's had a great start to the year. But yeah, it's funny how things can change so quickly. I think the lineup, the rotation has all been big concerns that we've talked at nauseam about, but it is fair to look at this bullpen and say, boy, they're going to need reinforcements. And they are. And they are. Look, if the one thing the Mets need to address at the deadline is the bullpen, that's not a bad thing. If we feel strong enough about the rotation and the lineup where the Mets are going to need to make additions and the only area they're going to need to make additions is the bullpen, that's not a bad place to be. Uh, another note, by the way, I'm not sure if you, you, you mentioned it, but, uh, David Peterson's line, David Peterson's line, where in triple A. Yeah. It actually looked good. He looked good. Scoreless. I think it was, I think nine strikeouts. I think he went six or seven innings. Scoreless. Well, what do you think that, do you think that should make us feel differently about him though? I mean, honestly, do you think hearing that 
which I wasn't aware of that line, so I'm glad you told me. But do you think that's going to make us say, okay, great, bring them back Sunday against Colorado? I don't know, but maybe there's something that they're fixing down there. Maybe they're, maybe that's a positive. Like that, That's the thing that bothers me about him. It's Is he just a 4A player and we just don't recognize it? We're just trying to be stupid and be like, oh, he could, he'll be able to work here. And, and even as a 4A pitcher, he could be a fifth starter. Or is there something that we just unlocking down there that they hasn't been able to transfer up into the big leagues? By the way, here's his final line. Eight scoreless innings. Not, not a few scoreless innings. Eight scoreless innings, two hits, nine strikeouts, three walks. He threw 95 pitches in Syracuse's win over Norfolk on Sunday. Ronnie Mauricio, one for five with two RBIs. <clears throat> Two-run double. So good for him. Uh, but by the way, the Ronnie Mauricio talk is going to calm down if the Mets keep winning. The more you win and the more there's production, the less we're going to scream and yell about it. And, and one last thing. And we'll do emails on the next pod. I apologize because we've already done an hour and it's late. Um... Let's not worry about the catching situation. Like worrying about Narvaez and Nito, there's no need to worry because as of right now, as of this moment, Francisco Alvarez is not going anywhere. He's not. You know, if Tomas Nito needs to come off the IL, it's not going to be at the expense of the guy who's playing catcher every single day. So I'm no longer worried about sending down Francisco Alvarez for now. A month from now, as Narvaez is ready to come back, let's see where Alvarez is. So I just don't think it's something worth worrying about. Obviously, we're all on the same side. Alvarez should not go down to AAA. He has earned his keep here, but that's today. On June 15th, if he's in a one-for-37 slump, maybe we'll be saying something different. But for now, Alvarez is the starting catcher for this team. Gary Sanchez is a fine backup. I have no issue with Gary Sanchez as a backup. I think he's a better option than Tomas Nito. Nito may be better defensively, but certainly offensively, Gary gives you more of an opportunity. You can email the pod to RicoB at gmail.com. One quick thing. um, I can't do a Rico Thursday after the Cubs series, so here's what we'll do to make things better for you. We'll do a Rico after game two of the Chicago series, and then you'll still get a Rico after the Chicago series but it'll be hosted by Pete Hoffman and friends. So we'll give you an extra Rico next week as the Mets are in Chicago against the Cubs. And then after that, as always, after every series is over, we appreciate you listening and downloading. Uh, Check out Pete during the week with Tiki and Tierney, me and Craig, two o'clock on the fan. Thanks for listening to Rico. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronio podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times.